Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, researcher Jonathan Hearn quantifies the emissions, agriculture, and specifically dairy are contributing to total national emissions and explains how farmers' practices have reduced the intensity of emissions from milk production by 10%. So in 2019, the agriculture sector contributed 34% of our national emissions. Um, within this then, uh, the dairy, dairy cows specifically would contribute um, approximately 40% of that. So you're talking the dairy animals are contributing you know, to, to around 12% of our national emissions. And that's true enteric fermentation, manure management and manure grass. And, and, you know, specifically, you know, if we want to talk about the exact gases we're talking about here, you know, we talk about CO2 equivalents in the overall greenhouse gas picture. But what exactly are we talking about in relation to dairying or agriculture? Yeah, so the agriculture sector is unique in comparison to other sectors. So the likes of your energy and your transport sectors are dominated by CO2. And that's true to use of fossil fuels in those sectors. In the agriculture sector, it's dominated by methane and it's dominated by nitrous oxide. So methane actually makes up 60% of the agricultural sector's emissions. Um, and over 90% of methane and nitrous oxide is emitted in the agriculture sector. So in terms of trying to mitigate emissions from the agriculture sector, methane and nitrous oxide are the gases we need to uh, focus on. And looking at that 12% of total national emissions coming from dairy, how exactly are you calculating this, Jonathan? The way it's calculated in the national inventory is through uh, the IPCC methodology. Um, I see IPCC methodology. In, in Ireland, though, or in, in what we do in, res- in Chagas in research, we use a methodology called life cycle assessment. So it's it slightly deviates away from the IPCC methodology. So... Um, IPCC just looks at what happens on farms, so the on-farm activity and the on-farm uh, emissions. Um, in research, we apply life cycle assessment, which is an internationally standardized methodology that calculates um, the emissions of a product, a service, or a process from raw extraction of the materials up until it's um, it's disposed of. Um, in agricultural life cycle assessments, we apply, well, it's most commonly applied a cradle-to-farm gate um, life cycle assessment, which means everything from the extraction of raw materials up until the milk leaves your farm in the lorry. Um, and the reason we apply that system boundary is that it allows us to um, identify areas that um, areas within the farm that can reduce the emissions uh, with the farming system. And current figures then for our emissions, you know, it's expressed in terms of total emissions as we've looked at. But if we look at milk specifically in terms of a kilo of milk, what is the figure? Uh, Previously, the number quoted for Ireland in terms of a carbon footprint of milk would be uh, 1.12 kilos of CO2 equivalent per kilo of fat and protein corrected milk. Um, Recently, though, there has been um, an on-stream of new research through Chagas. to make that value more representative of the uh, the grass-based systems within Ireland. Uh, so improve the accuracy of the model. Um, and that's done through using Irish research. So for example, uh, previously we didn't have any research um, to distinguish the difference in emissions from uh, can-based fertilizers, urea, or protected urea. Um, however, through Chagas, we now have that data available to us. 
And um, these new country-specific emission factors have been implemented in national inventory, but it's also implemented in our our research lifecycle assessment uh, models. Similarly, then for manure grass, similar process. Before we would have used international standardised um, values uh, for cattle, not representative of grass-based systems, because then the, the values uh, would have been um, derived from studies around the world. Um, so through Chagas research, we were able to create our own values, and that's now implemented too. And from that, implementing our own our, our own values, as well as um, improved efficiencies, let's say, of the production of fertilizer, uh, there's more renewable energy on our electricity grid. Um, what we see is that 1.12 is now at one. So it's one kilos of CO2 equivalent per kilo of fat and protein correct to milk. And looking to that figure of one, is there potential to decrease that? And and if yes, what are the methods that you're going to see at farm level in terms of technology adoptions to achieve it? Yeah, so that's the average. So the point, uh, the one point, uh, the one kilo of CO two uh, per kilo of fat and protein to milk is average. Areas what we can do to improve it. Um, first of all, we could look at the fertilizer. So we could capitalize on these new emission factors that have been uh, derived for Ireland. Um, so Agricultural systems in Ireland are predominantly CAN-based systems, and CAN has higher greenhouse gas emissions than urea and protected urea. So moving from a CAN-based to a protected urea will substantially reduce your emissions. So on average, 80-odd um, percent of fertilizers in the form of CAN, if you go to 100% protected urea, you're going to get a 7 to 8% reduction straight away, and you're no reduction in fertilizer application rate. Um, Second uh, technology that's available to us that will help to help to reduce this value further, as well as total emissions, would be the likes of um, the incorporation of white clover into swords. So by incorporating white clover into swords, you are reducing your reliance on synthetic fertilizers, which is a large contributor to our emissions. Um, and other technology would be like your low emission slurry spreading. So um, how that benefits is that there's a higher fertilizer value associated with the, the manure manure from low emission slurry spreading and therefore uh, should um, transfer over in terms of fertilizer requirements on your system. Um, in terms of breeding, you know, uh, improving the fertility performance of your herd um, will reduce the number of young stock that you require on farm. So as long as those young stock are on the farm and they're eating grass, they're going to generate emissions, but you're actually not getting any output from them. So the lower the less a uh, young stock you have, the lower emissions associated with them um, will, will contribute. Uh, the other thing then too, the more mature your herd, uh, the more milk solids you're also going to get out, uh, the more efficient animal. To the topic of carbon sequestration, Jonathan, to you, can you give us some information on it? It's it's something that's thrown about as a topic. It's something that is potentially going to offset against this value of greenhouse gas emissions. But what exactly is it? Yeah, so carbon sequestration, um, I suppose it's simple, is carbon that's being brought into grasslands, being brought into scrubberries and hedgerows through photosynthesis um, and is being basically stored within um, the soil or the, or the, the plant structure um, for a long period of time. So you're basically taking carbon from the atmosphere and storing it within the earth, uh, whether through ground or through uh, scrub or whatnot. This currently isn't being included in the inventory. Why not? No, not in, in, in terms of grasslands and hedgerows and whatnot. It's not um it's not included in the inventory. Um and the reason behind that is is we the research isn't there yet for us to say 
to quantify how much carbon is being uh, sequestered uh, per hectare uh, per 100 metres of hedgerow. Uh, however, saying that there is research on the way at the moment that is um, measuring the carbon sequestration rate um, uh, from grasslands uh, and also looking at the effect of different management practices. Um, and that's done through Edicovarian Towers. So it measures the, the CO2 coming into the soil and it also measures the CO2 um, leaving the soil. And whatever the difference is, that's how much carbon is being saved within the ground. Um, as, similarly then with hedgerows, they're using LiDAR technology to calculate the density of the hedgerows. Um, and there, from there, they're able to see the change in carbon stock within hedgerows on the farm. So at this stage, we can't quantify exactly what level of carbon sequestration there is. But from your perspective, what are the key practices on farms that would lead to a farm that has a higher level of sequestration? Yeah, uh, so good grassland management, uh, the establishment of hedgerows and the maintenance of hedgerows um, are two methods uh, for increasing carbon sequestration. Uh, soil type has an impact on carbon sequestration. Uh, you know, building up the organic matter has been linked to carbon sequestration. Um, there are kind of uh, factors that need to be um, need to be addressed if you want to improve this carbon sequestration, as well as plant and forestry as well. And and finally, Jonathan, I mean, taking into account what you've mentioned, you know, twelve percent of the national emissions is coming from the dairy sector. You have armed us with several strategies, and we've heard them here before on the Dairy Edge in terms of you know looking at improved fertilizer management. Um, improved animal performance and this will lead to a lower level of milk output per kilo of milk produced but invariably when you point out that an efficiency is improved performance does that mean the total emissions output is still going to be at the same level if we're seeing cows improving their milk production? If we do want to maintain our, our national herd or a slight increase in our national herd we will require to have strong implementation of the available mitigation strategies available to us to see both a reduction in emission intensity of milk, but also um, emissions per farm and uh, at a national level. You know, implementation strategies, as I said previously, in terms of, um, you know, technologies such as low emission slurry spreading, your protected urea, uh, using the EBI to improve the efficiency of your cows um, and better grassland management. There are key areas to try to reduce the intensity of the milk and through that you can reduce your net total emissions. And, and and to follow on, is a stable herd number in terms of the national herd or an increase in the national herd, is that underpinned by these strategies being implemented wide spectrum or are we going to need new strategies to achieve this? If the national herd remains static and we implement uh, the available mitigation strategies um, that are, t- are available to us. Um, so your low emission slurry spreading, protected urea, white clover, um, better grassland management and uh, EBI. We can see a reduction in emissions per kilo output, but we'll also see a, 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 a reduction in total agricultural greenhouse gas emissions. And I, I think this has been a useful conversation, Jonathan, to really focus our minds from 
a greenhouse gas emissions perspective in terms of what we're doing on our farms. And if I could take one um, figure that you've given us today, it's in relation to fertilizer. And you mentioned can and it's it's a very popular product on farms. So for, for any of the farmers who are listening in today, there is extensive research where you're switching from can to protected urea. You know, there's no implications for grass production, but the figure you've given us today, Jonathan, is a seven to eight percent reduction in greenhouse gases, which is massive and huge implications on on an individual farm basis, but also nationally. Thank you, Jonathan. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Jonathan Hearn for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.